Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Into the Nerdverse podcast welcomed here by Robot Republic Network. On Robot Republic, we have the Gaming Manifesto, we have Recharge Wrestling, and we have the Treehouse, which is hosted by the Amazing Bandit, who is here with us today. Hello. And that is his annoying northern voice. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) As my everyday co-host, we also have Stacey here with us. Hello there. And there is his, not, not, and there's just his generically annoying voice. <laughs> Today, unlike last week, we are going to start to follow more of what this podcast is going to be about. But we actually have a layout now because last week was just chaos, um, and it was uh, just answering a load of random questions which people asked me, and stupidly I answered on stream, and then realised shit, I need them to watch this podcast, uh, so I really shouldn't be answering all of them there and then. Um, yeah, joke, jokes on them. They listen to it anyway. You know, for, for, a man, <laughs> for a man who's got a degree, you have your pretty stupid moments sometimes. Uh, actually, it's for a man with two degrees, so which makes it, in my opinion, far worse. <laughs> it's I, just that little bit more insulting. My seventy thousand pounds worth of university debt really is pointless and pathetic. Also, Barlow, I get to prove you wrong right here, right now. Fine. All right, so um, so basically, short story. Last issue of Into the Nerdverse, we, me, me and Barlow had a disagreement about how Nightcrawler's powers worked. Uh, I said he dips into a different dimension. He said, no, he just poofs to the other side. Well, right in front of me, I have the official, uh, basically, how Nightcrawler's teleportation works. So I'm going to read it verbatim. He teleports by displacing himself into the brimstone dimension, traveling through it and then returning to his own dimension at a certain distance from his point of departure. Ah, but you know where I can also prove you wrong? And I said it was going to be a case of both of us are wrong. Go. He does indeed travel through a portal into a different dimension. However, there are no shadows left behind. The only thing that is left behind is a faint scent of burning brimstone. And a that puff is, of smoke. And, and a puff of smoke. That is it. So, in yep. fact, we, we were both wrong. We were. So, uh, so we were right last issue, really. Yeah. So, what we've confirmed is that Nightcrawl is a tiefling. <laughs> Quite literally, yes. Yeah, actually, yes. And when you... <laughs> To be fair, when you look at Nightcrawler's dad in uh, Azazel, he does look like a stereotypical tiefling. Yeah, and then you look at Mystique, and she doesn't look like a stereotypical tiefling. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's both his pet. He has a very dysfunctional family. Yeah, but like, isn't Rogue his sister as well in Evolution yeah. Canon? <laughs> yeah, 
Rogue is his sister, and like Mystique is Rogue's mum, which again makes it even even more weird. Um, and yet, like Nightcrawler himself does not come across as American, whereas both of his parents are, and his sister is. Well, he's well, he's meant to be German, isn't he? Like, that's yeah, it's Kurt thing. Wagner. <laughs> yeah, although in Evolution, like I remember watching X Men Evolution, and he was the he was the Asian. Uh, like guy wasn't he in yeah. evolution and he was just like okay that's fair but then everyone else is just sort of there yeah basically guys if you read x-men comics take everything with a pinch of salt because none of it makes sense and they change their idea every 10 seconds one minute uh scarlet witch and quicksilver are mutants the next they're mutates the next they're just straight up avengers so it, it, we're, very, we're very, very confused by them, but we read them because we're hopeful that the movies are good eventually. And we don't want to go into the whole Scarlet Witch, uh, Quicksilver, Magneto family line. That gets even weirder. That does, because originally they weren't actually his kids and then they became his kids. And then apparently he adopted them, but actually he didn't really adopt them. They were naturally his anyway. Um, this is what happens when Stanley doesn't touch the franchise. This it just what, doesn't quite make is, sense. This is what happens when Scarlet Witch does chaos magic. <laughs> That's true. Right, guys, we are going to start every podcast with the latest news, whether it's upcoming comic books, whether it's upcoming movies, or uh, just kind of the gossip from those movies as well. Uh, we're going to start this week with our top five comics of the week where Stacey will give his top five, I will give my top five, and each week we are going to try to name at least one that isn't from one of the main publishers because actually there's so many uh, graphic novel publication companies out there that even we've never heard of before. So Stacey, would you yeah. like to go first? Okay, so uh, basically the comics, uh, the upcoming comics in the next week that have caught my eye, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Lost Ronin, issue four by ID, uh, IDW Publishing, uh, that's coming out on the 22nd of September. We've got Alien Issue 7 by Marvel Comics, also the 22nd of September. Uh, the Death of Doctor Strange, Issue 1, uh, Marvel Comics, 22nd of September. King Spawn, Issue 2, Image Comics. Guess what the date is being released? When? 22nd of September. I was going to say, I'm not saying any dates, so... I am, because uh, these are ones that are coming out. So uh, Suicide Squad, King Shark, Issue 1, DC Comics, 21st of September. So those are the ones that have caught my eye uh, for this uh, upcoming week. See, for me, I've got Moon Knight Issue 3 coming out uh, in a couple of days. I'm just going to say in a couple of days, because the idea is they're all coming out this week. Uh, I am also going to agree the death of Doctor Strange does look fantastic, especially as it's the beginning. So I'm actually probably going to have to get that one myself. Um, the issue is ordering a lot of these in the UK is never, it's never ne straightforward. It's never straightforward. Uh, we've got King Spawn coming out because who doesn't like Spawn? And that is with Image Comics. Um, I've not really heard much of them other than Spawn, so that is quite pretty epic to be fair. Mm. June is also now being put into a graphic novel, which I'm really looking forward to because that movie comes out, I believe, next month. Um, and they have their House Astrides coming out uh, on the 22nd with Boom Studios. And the one that really caught my eye, which I've never heard of before, and that's because it is brand spanking new, is a comic book called Siphon. And the idea of Siphon from Image Comics is the fact that he can basically siphon any pain from any character. And the idea of this character is that actually 
there have been many siphons for many generations. And basically over the last millennia, there has always been someone trying to hunt a siphon. So um, these siphons siphon pain, correct? Uh, he basically, yeah. So uh, when this is this is the bio that's got when Silas was gifted with the power to siphon other people's pain from them and take it on himself, he never could have imagined that he was the latest in a line stretching back to the dawn of civilization, or that his dark mental Antonio has been killing those with the power for over a millennia. Isn't he? The, isn't that basically just a masochistic healer? <laughs> <laughs> it's the kind of healer you don't want to play in D&D because you're just no. going to end up... T- it's like, oh, I heal them, and I take 10 necrotic damage. Isn't that just rogue, like, but with, like, health? Because <laughs> yeah, rogue, like, rogue yeah. deals that she absorbs powers, right? But at least rogue kind of, like, takes their powers, whereas he's just taking away people's pain and putting them on himself. Yes, uh, sure. Doesn't um... that... Yeah, that power kind of sounds... I don't know if I'd ever want to use it because you just you're deliberately making yourself feel worse. I think if you've got that level of empathy to do that, then maybe. But at the same time, I don't want to feel what a missing leg is like. You, so you've you've got to you've got to either have a so much empathy and sympathy that you literally like it doesn't bother you, or you have to be aroused by that kind of. Pain <laughs> I mean, there is that. Um... It's got to lead to some severe mental health issues as yeah. well. <laughs> is it possible you could siphon mental health pain, like, like just... emotional pain? Can well, you, it can just you it just pain? it just says pain. So, like, I'm assuming so. Because what if what if what if he was like coming across someone who was uh, who was just like really like down in the dumps, like getting really depressed, and they were like, oh, you know what, I'll siphon the prick. Like, what 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 would that do to you as a person if you took away people's depression? And put it onto yourself. This character definitely has to be on some severe antidepressants to actually get on with his day. Right. Heavy painkillers. I'm still sort of shocked that this is a concept that would be... Like, I'm not saying it's a bad concept, because it could be... It'd be interesting, but, like, let's be honest, you're releasing... Comic books are still a very nerdy thing, even though comic book movies are very much not. So you're releasing a potential either someone who is that like uh, Stacy said is like a benevolent soul, or as like a said or masochist, or and like you know, I don't like the idea of <laughs> what kind of vibe that will give to a bunch of nerdy basement dwellers. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it do- it doesn't really sound like a great concept <laughs> in my eyes, um, yeah. but. In movie news, uh, Taika Waititi has been slammed in the news because um, Disney have had to fine him for making out with both his girlfriend, Rita Ora, and apparently their polyamorous partner, Teresa Thompson, in public. And apparently that doesn't suit well on Disney's image. And yet Disney wants to have a nice big image of we accept all kinds of people. Yeah. Um, so this is this is just very interesting, especially is the fact that he's still filming Thor, and they also want him to film another Star Wars movie. Um, everyone is hyped about the everyone's talking about Jamie movie, and it sucks. Uh, sorry to anyone that hasn't seen it yet. It's it's just bad. Um, and in the box office, Shang Chi is again smashing it for three weeks in a row, uh, oh, which we like to see doing so well. I still need to see it, but just but- looking at everything, it's just getting mad reviews. Free Guy's back at number two in the box office now, and that's been out for five weeks. It's not dropped out of the top five since it's been out. I saw it again the other day. So, like, <laughs> it's very good. It's, that's just an amazing film. I'm sorry. I, I, I love it. Like, that is my film of the year, I reckon. 
I feel like I should go to the cinema more because the last movie I saw at the cinema was pre-lockdown and it was Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Um, it, I, it was a great I, movie. I still, what I respect about the company that made the Sonic film was the fact that when they got the horrific reviews of how Sonic looked, they actually delayed the film so they could change the entire CGI and animation on him for it, the entire film. It bankrupted the studio, though. Like, the studio that designed Sonic's, like, actual CGI went bankrupt. And holy, they should have. <laughs> they I made the mistake. Movie, they done fucked up initially. Um, I can't wait for Sonic, uh, Sonic and Knuckles, isn't it? That's the next one. Um, uh, yeah. The, and Knuckles is played by Idris Elba. <laughs> That's the best thing ever. Apparently, yeah, they reckon Shadow is going to turn up right at the end, like um, Tails did in the first one. I Sh- Shadow's like... I know he's the stereotypical edgy character, but everyone growing up who played a Sonic game thought Shadow was the coolest because yeah. Shadow is unequivocally the coolest. Shadow is the best. Whether you were playing like the Shadow the Hedgehog game that came out on GameCube or if you were playing uh, Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, Shadow is just the best. Followed I, very closely by Knuckles. When I was going through my emo phase, I had, I had, I was like, Shadow became my spirit animal anytime I played <laughs> anything that had him, that had him in it. <laughs> Shadow the Hedgehog. I played it on PS2. And like looking back, I see that like the game is like buggy as all hell. But at the same point, it's just like one of the first games to really do branching paths. And uh it was really fun because you had a chicken gun and that was the best thing ever. <laughs> to be fair, this was back in the time where we we allowed and accepted bugs on video games, whereas now if they come out, we're not allowed to touch it. We have to hate the game, it has to be completely redone, aka Cyberpunk, No Man's Sky, uh, Fallout 76, and several others. Unless it's an Elder Scrolls title, bugs are totally allowed. That's true. Right. We are going to move on to our category, which is totally not ripping off any other uh, known franchise ever, where it is called What If. Are we pondering a question here? What I'm going to do is I'm going to give each of uh, both Stacey and Bandit a scenario. Sometimes I'll give the same scenario and they can debate it in their head together, or sometimes I will give them different scenarios. Today, we are going different. So we are going to start with Stacey. Righty hell. Okay. My question to you mm-hmm. and my what if scenario mm-hmm. is and I'm pretty sure we have discussed something similar before. What actually no, I don't think what if in Game of Thrones right. Jon Snow was never revealed to Ned Stark as being a Targaryen. So to so basically in that case then Ned Stark would only think that it's just the bastard child of uh, his sister, uh, yes. making make, making making them almost. Well, he still would have been Jon Snow. He was still, uh, but would uh, that's the thing? I reckon because Ned Ned Stark had such a love for his sister that he would have still t- taken Jon in, and he still would have. Uh, raised him as his own and pretended that it was his bastard child rather than his sister's. So on that front, that wouldn't change. But if there was no knowledge that either of them, that 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 if Ed Stark had no knowledge that he was a Targaryen, actually that wouldn't have made a damn difference because he got killed off in the first season. Uh, um, see, it would have made a difference, but just the last season. 
Yeah, because it's in the documentation, isn't it? He's documented as um, Edgar Targaryen. Huh. So actually, the last season it would change quite significantly. The yeah. relationship between Daenerys and Jon would have changed because I, the I, reason I, why she flipped out was because she didn't like the fact he turned out to be a Targaryen. Yeah, I reckon I, I, it would have taken a lot longer and a lot more digging and a lot more possible evidence finding to prove that Jon was a Targaryen. Well, no, it wouldn't because he wasn't Targaryen. That's what I'm saying. But he isn't. No, Sorry. but if he if he was a bastard of someone else, he wasn't Targaryen. Yeah, but he's still a Targaryen. Ignore me. Just... Ignore me. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Ignore are you me. okay? No, I'm not. Do you need You are right. Help? It would have taken longer. Shut up. Do you need um, a hook, Bala? Actually, so, it wouldn't have changed anything because the documentation would have still been the same. So that question. Well, yeah, because the maester, was... the, the maester that, that was present still would have documented it. True. So no matter what happens, Samuel Tarly would have still found that. Was to, and because the because that was the thing, it was the whole thing with um, Maester Raymond as well. Maester yeah. Raymond helped give the clues because he was basically planting it in Sam's head very early on without anyone really noticing. Uh, I just I just reckon it would have wouldn't have affected Daenerys as much. That's pretty much it. But even then, it still would have come out one way or another. Yeah. Okay. For Bandit. Oh God. Okay. This is going to be a rather. This could change a lot. What if? Daryl died before he joined the group in The Walking Dead. Okay. What if, if Daryl never existed in The Walking Dead? Right, okay. So, Daryl doesn't exist in Walking Dead, meaning bit of context, they created the character of Daryl for Norman Reedus because he auditioned for Merle and they, they liked him but didn't like him for Merle, the cast Michael Rooker. So, are we just removing Daryl or Keep keeping Merle or removing the Dixon brothers entirely. We're just we're, we're keeping Merle. We're removing Daryl. Okay, right. So how this happens? Merle is abandoned on the roof in Atlanta because Daryl doesn't exist. There is no motivation to go back for him because there's no motivation to go back for him. The zombies don't invade the Atlanta camp, meaning that uh, Jim, Ed Pelletier, and Amy Harrison would still be alive initially. They wouldn't have to flee to the CDC at this point anyway. So they will never learn the secret of the infection. Theoretically, if Daryl doesn't exist, the series doesn't happen. That's, that's true. That's, so, it, well, it doesn't happen like, because the only reason that zombies came and attacked the Atlanta campus because Daryl made them go back to, to get Merle because Rick chained him to a roof. Mm, that's like, true. And when they go back, um, that's when like they see the dodge that was like in Breaking Bad as well. That's when they see the dodge, and that's what leads the, um, the walkers to the Atlanta camp. And that means that Morales wouldn't have, dis- wouldn't have stayed in Atlanta, lost his family, and turned back up like, like seven years later as a saviour. <laughs> mm. So theoretically, we... It would have been delayed for them to get to Herschel's farm. So, yeah, there we go. That's probably what would have happened. There, there would there be no reason to go find Merle on the roof. Yeah, see, yours I can't debate because that's... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can't say anything. All, all I'm hearing is, basically, is if Daryl died, 
everything right, changes. Right at the start. <laughs> the Walking Dead TV series would just be a dispersal of people living in camps quite well, happily without any disturbance. Well, obviously not that that's not the case because like Daryl and Mel don't exist in the comics anywhere. So like the comics would have advanced forward, but they were but the way they did the motivation to for them to go back into Atlanta to find Mo was because Daryl was his brother. And if Daryl's not there to go to tell them to go and find Merle, they would have just left the son of a bitch up there because he's, you know, who wants yeah. a, a racist psychopath around. That's oh, true. And it's what's weird is that Merle becomes one of the most likable characters, like as you see him later on. He becomes like a really nice dude. And he's... Yeah, he does. I agree. So I haven't seen enough to have a say on it really. He has the one of the one of the best redemption arcs you can give a sleazy redneck. <laughs> he has a really good redemption arc. There's a rumour now that there is going to, by well, rumour for a couple of years, that they're actually tempted to do a um, a Daryl and Merle comic um, um, to say that they did exist, but they never actually joined uh, the Saviors. That's a fair point. Uh, I'd be interested to see what they do, because the Walking Dead comics are finished now. Like the, yeah. the Like, the comics have actually finished, and this season is the last... The season we're on currently, season eleven, is the last of uh, the actual main series because Fear the Walking Dead still going on, and and then Walking Dead World Beyond is going on. So, and we'll yeah. get a Daryl and Carol spinoff anyway. They're the only two characters from the original series as well, from the first series. I really, I, I really know. enjoyed like the Walking Dead after a few seasons, but I thought the first two seasons were just so slow. The first season, I really rate because. Obviously, it's the hook season. It's the it's the tester, but then season two, I think, was really slow. I think, yeah. I think it's commonly agreed that like season between season four and six are the best. Yeah, and then but I do think like I'm not sure if it which was the season where it literally starts with Negan killing Abraham and the very start of season seven. See, season seven, I thought was tragic because I it was just like seven. I thought. I think the last the latter half was brilliant first episode was very good but it came across like they spent so much money but so many ideas into that first episode but there was like then like six to seven episodes of uh well we, we can't really do much now because we put so much thought and time into the first episode that we're just going to kind of wing the rest of the season it, it's it's hard to adapt what goes on in the comics for that because um it's all at war and it goes on for ages uh, and in the comics, there's a lot more stuff that happens because there's a lot more freedom of what you can do in the comics because you are just limited by what you can draw and what you yeah. can write as opposed to like what a budget has. But like Negan fast became my favorite character in Walking Dead, and he still is my favorite character. He's played by a fantastic actor as well. J- I think, JDM, like, I love him. Yeah, and like I think everything about Negan is very very well done. I'm and actually fa- wearing a Negan top right now. <laughs> but um. So I can't, I can't debate yours, but Stacey, I can kind of debate yours because actually I kind of think with your what-if scenario, I actually think that John, I reckon Ned would have revealed to Catelyn because if he didn't find out that he was Targaryen, he mm. probably wouldn't have been told then as well that he, uh, they had to keep it a secret. So and therefore basically- I reckon he would have told Catelyn. And then Catelyn might have been a little bit more sympathetic. John might have actually taken a start the Stark name, and potentially it would have been revealed to Rob. Therefore, John would have been there in the uh, the War for the North. Well, not yeah. the War for the North. That wouldn't have happened when he goes down south. Therefore, the Red Wedding potentially would have gone completely differently, if uh, if at all. 
Oh no, I still think the red wedding would have happened. No, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But just, I just, mm. I just think if John was there, at least one of the Starks would have survived the red wedding. Yeah. But there's the thing though, I don't reckon John would have been at the Red Wedding. He would have been because it's the thing, John is okay. I'm gonna start dissecting with warfare tactics here now. So Rob Stark was very lead the charge, there's a distraction, lead the charge, there's a distraction. Whereas John's um command tactics, because I reckon Rob would have given John his own command of like a of a set of bannermen. Uh John was very more guerrilla warfare, so he would have seen the Red Wedding as an opportunity to go out on a, on a guerrilla campaign. No, but the issue was the Red Wedding had to happen because they needed that wedding to get access to the, the Twins Bridge. True, true, So therefore, true. John would have had to had have to been be at the Red wedding. wedding because otherwise it would have been seen as a like discriminating against um, House Frey by yeah. not having him there. Yeah, no, Or John could have been sent to the North to kind of watch over Winterfell with Bran. I also think you would have less uh, less of the Starks bannermen would have ran off ran off uh, yeah during the and, during the war. But it also meant that technically, after the war was done, the White Walkers would come down a lot quicker because John wouldn't be on the wall. Yeah, because I think that's the big the biggest difference for me. If he didn't get if John uh, uh, sorry if Ned didn't find out he was Targaryen, I don't think John would have gone to the north. I reckon he would have been looked after more. Catelyn would have been better to him. He would have fought alongside Rob Stark. Therefore, the, the Night's Watch would have actually lost against the the Free Folk. Yeah, they would have taken over the wall. Probably started raiding down south quicker, meaning that actually the Starks are being hit from both sides. And then as soon as the White Walkers hit, boom, the whole of Westeros is screwed. See, it's amazing how much can happen if you take away one slight detail. But again, this is a what-if scenario. Any of the following scenarios could have been true because anything would have led on to different series of events with different choices, different well, that's, that, that's the idea of doing the what-if, but otherwise there's no point. <laughs> right. We're now going to move on to our actual topic of today. We get so distracted with this. It is a lot like the Treehouse podcast review, isn't it, Bambit? Just like uh, straight yeah. away off topic. Yeah, this, this is what happens when you put me and Holly in a room. We start talking about one thing and then something shiny comes along. But today we are looking at toxic fandoms. And I think all of us here can admit that there's a lot of things that we enjoy that potentially one of the things that puts us off is the community around it. Yeah, entirely. Yeah. It's literally the biggest reason I get annoyed at so many people I play certain games with. Like there's certain, there's games, movies, TV shows, even like comic books and like animes and mangas that I absolutely adore, but then I see like the communities on whether it's Facebook, Reddit, or just people that I know, that it just angers me to the core. And the, the, the issue the... is that means that I become part of the toxic fandom because the fandom is then making me toxic. To- to- toxic fandoms are worse on, on Facebook. They are horrible on Facebook. Like Facebook groups and pages of different fandoms that are so toxic, it's... Because it's all keyboard warriors and Karens and Greg sat behind their keyboards with a bag of Doritos and a bottle of Mountain Dew. Uh, um, I actually wrote an article about why I left the Legends of Runeterra community that's on Robot Republic. Because this is back when I had Facebook. I've deleted Facebook since. But um, I was in both like the global one and the UK one and the Europe one. 
And uh, like, this is when I was a Legend of Rune Terror streamer. And I just saw so much hate and venom thrown towards people that just, it tuned me out of it because I'm used to toxicity. I play video games. I, I'm like, I grew up in the era of Call of Duty lobbies. You know, oh, Xbox 360 Call of Duty lobbies, literally when, when the most soul degrading thing on the planet. When you think that 14 year olds on Call of Duty was the original OD to- OG toxic fandom. But even then, it's sort of like it's become a meme. But it, I just don't like where I can't, I feel like I can't enjoy things because of fans. No, it's I don't like calling myself a fan of anything because it has negative connotations every time. Yeah, I'd agree. I think there's there's definitely certain uh, like fandoms that you can be part of where just by saying that you're part of it, people start judging you, not on even what you like anymore, but the kind of groups that come from that. Yeah, no, because I, I always have that whenever I say I collect Warhammer or like the, like the Warhammer Fantasy uh, 40k and stuff, because it's either like the people's outlook on Warhammer players and the Warhammer community is either they are like basement nerds who lives with their mum i live with my mum by the way um <laughs> so every nerd ever sorry i had to like like the, like basically really sheltered like uh people men usually very sheltered uh males or these anal keyboard warriors that are always saying but you're doing this wrong you've painted them wrong you've you're doing the rules wrong oh well you can't do a conversion like that because I'm on like several Warhammer Facebook groups and the amount of times I've had someone post up and say, look, this is my first try. And the amount of people just putting like laugh reacts and like, oh my God, what the hell is this? Like, it's always like, oh God, but I'm either put into basement dork or um, anal rule person, essentially. Let's see, this is the thing for me and it's, it's one of the ones that I would have never said were toxic until very recently. And this is the one that depends very heavily on the kind of person you are. And it's D&D. And it's mainly for, and it's only specific people that I would say were toxic in the D&D universe of, and community. It's the bloody rule lawyers. I hate them. I hate them so much. What used to be a case of it's up to DM's discretion or the idea of homebrew is the fact that actually there are a lot of rules in D&D that are kind of rubbish, if I'm honest. Like, uh, for instance, if you have a natural one on a death save, it's a uh, it's two failures. But if you get a nat 20 on a death save, it's you're, you're alive, you're stable. But actually, for me, that, that doesn't that's counterintuitive. So I've always ran it. A, a natural 20 is a double save because it it's fair that way. And I'm not going to have a nat one being you're dead. Um, and it's it's certain things like that. And the, I homebrew so much D&D. Like, I do. But it's the fact that as soon as you come across a rules lawyer, it just makes it so incredibly difficult because you then have to explain that you, you're not following the rules to a T. Well, there's the thing, like if when you actually read through like all the like like where this the DM's handbook, the player's handbook, like any kind of manual within like D D, you it actually it's pretty obvious that they're not making them solid rules, that they are more guidelines. Cause sometimes the vagueness of certain rules, like yes, they're like if you take away, say like key rules, like initiative rules, then it's a bit shit. But like most of the time, it's 
kind of more seen as guidelines, even by the even even by the people who write these handbooks and these manuals. Yeah, I mean, personally, uh, I don't have a problem with people who are rules lawyers if they are consistent rules lawyers, because you can establish that like this is uh, like I, I always homebrew content because I. I tr- every time I try and run my, I've run two modules, um, and these are not uh, uh, official ones. These are fan made ones. So the D- I've run a DM Dave one, and I've run it, I've run Murder on the Everon Express, and I always panic because I get things wrong all the time. My mem my memory for things that I didn't make up is really bad. However, um, the problem I have with rules lawyers is that when they rules lawyer other people or you but don't do it to themselves. Like, yeah. if pe- I, I get if people want to play the game and follow rules as written, that, that's fine, as long as you establish from the get-go that you are playing rules as written. But then when you get people who are like, well, actually, you know, you shouldn't have da- dark vision. Tabaxi don't have dark vision. Yeah, but a tab- what a t- what's a tabaxi? A cat. Can cats see in the dark? Yeah. But tabaxi can't. Okay, and then they'll try and do something like that is only like exclusively ruler cool stuff. And then we're like, well, you can't do that because it's not rules as written. And then they'll just flip the lid. Yeah. Mm. Like there's certain things in my games where, and I've taken it basically off some of the DMs that I've worked with in the past, where I think they've come up with a rule that I actually really, really enjoyed. And I've kind of adapted it for my own. Um, because like there are some rules lawyers that I'm quite happy with. Um, and it's the way in which they go about it because yeah as a dm we don't know every rule under the sun we don't know every spell under the sun there's so many handbooks now but it's impossible to even with just the player's handbook it was impossible to but i think there there are certain ones like i think the first time i ever played um D on stream we had this uh is it is it moonbeam i think the spell was uh and someone cast that and this one guy was in the chat literally saying how we were doing it wrong and how actually everything was everything was crap and like, oh, you, you don't know how to cast that spell. Um, and then telling us how to play. And actually, funnily enough, after I banned him because I did say no backseat gaming, it's DM's discretion, go away. Um, my player at the end of the stream read out what Moonbeam was in the description and he was doing it correctly. The guy that was telling us we were doing it wrong was wrong. And it's quite funny because my mate who does that always has the, like when he goes to cast any spell, he's one of those ones that thinks ahead in, a, uh, in the encounter. He's like, right, I'm going to do this. Oh, but three, three or four people left before me, I want to do this. And then he will go into the handbook. He's got all of them. He will find that spell to make sure that he knows exactly how to use it before he uses it. Um. And unfortunately, he never was able to play again because he was busy, but we had this idea that if he ever came back, we were basically, if a rule lawyer tried to join as a backseat gamer, they have to challenge him. And if they are wrong, they get permanently banned from my stream. That's a fair thing. I've had, uh, I've had my toxic experience with uh, D&D viewers. Never had it with a D&D streamer, but I've had it with D&D viewers. Like, I, I hate... I, I love what I do, don't get me wrong, in Robot Republic, but I also hate bragging about it. Because I had someone tell me on stream um, that I was DMing wrong. I'm like, right, okay. 
and he goes, and he's I've been DMing since the 1990s, so like obviously 20 plus years at this point. So I know what I'm doing. You should be doing it like this. I'm like, okay, what do you do as a job? And he stacks shelves. Now there's nothing wrong with stacking shelves, but what is wrong is that I'm a professional DM and I get paid to be a DM. <laughs> I don't tell you how to put cans of soup on a shelf. You don't tell me how to do my job, and I permanently banned him. Yeah. And like I mean, that's fair. So. And I hate flexing that kind of thing because it makes me look like an absolute arsehole. But at the same point, if you're gonna start on me, I'm gonna be a dick back, you know? Yeah, would, and I think this is the thing with like the toxic culture in general at the moment. Like people telling you that you can't do certain things a certain way or you can't like the biggest thing is like when you get told you can't like certain movies. Now in my opinion, and you guys can disagree with this if you want, the most toxic fandom out there is Star Wars, in my personal opinion. And that's because the Star Wars fandom is then split into loads of different smaller communities that all hate each other. It's not even a case of you can like Star Wars and, yeah, you can get on with people that like Star Wars. Because if you like the prequels, you have to get on with people that like the prequels. You can't get on with people that like the prequels or the sequels. If you like the prequels, you hate the people that like the sequels and that like the pre- uh, the originals. Or if you like the Disney sequels, everyone hates you and you hate everyone else. Like... It's just the way it is. Like, it's people are saying, like, my favorite movie of all time is Star Wars The Last Jedi. And then instantly that puts me into a bracket of I must love Ewoks. Well, yeah, I do love Ewoks. They're bloody adorable. Doesn't mean I like Porgs in The Last Jedi, because in my opinion, that film sucks. If you like that film, I might judge you. I'm not going to publicly out you for liking The Last Jedi, because, hey, it's a Star Wars movie. In my opinion, there are no bad... Uh, all Star Wars movies are good movies. There are just bad Star Wars movies. But it's the amount of hate you can get. Like when you see, you know, I think it was last year where the big thing on like uh, movies and games where you have like the lists of like what is God tier and then what is trash. Mm. And people, the thing with Star Wars is like people were deliberately trying to trigger other people on Facebook groups by deliberately putting some of the bad Star Wars movies in God tier. And the amount of hatred you see on those comments where people like, and you could just tell the people that made the post was just trying to trigger people. They were like, actually, let's see how bad this community is. I'm going to put this out there and say that, oh, Phantom Menace is the best Star Wars movie. And everyone just turned on them. And like, you just, they're like, guys, it's, it's quite literally a meme. Jar Jar, Jar Binks is my favorite character. <laughs> uh, I, I actually like Phantom Menace. <laughs> well, that's I like the thing. Phantom I like Phantom Menace. I just think there's aspects of it where, because George Lucas went so heavy on the CGI in those films that it, it that's what's ruined it to me. Like when watching Qui Gon ride on the Bantha, it just doesn't look right because the mm. Bantha is so animated that it doesn't look good. You know, my favorite part of Phantom Menace is when they go to get C3PO and R2D2 back from the Jawa. I need to see all of the robots in. And I used to watch that as a kid and I was like, that is just so cool. There are so many robots. And that's what I love. I actually really like the Jawas as well. I really Jenna. like them. They're cute. Houdini. But uh, it, was it the toxicity of the of the Star Wars fandom has leaked into other like spaces and like other communities? So uh I play Armor 3, and there's a subsection of Armor 3 uh called Star Sim, which is Star Wars simulation, basically. And you play Star Wars missions in Armor 3. And honestly, I've 
been in two star sim units and it is still to this day one of the most toxic things i have ever been a part of like it is it is bad like because people are so pure like oh no clones wouldn't do that although they, they wouldn't do this the cis wouldn't do this no it's got to be exactly like this 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 and this and this as well as just like the fact that they treat it like an actual military thing a star wars mod on a game is being treated like actual military protocol there's rosters there's bunks there's oh my lord it is honestly like there's uniform guides and equipment guides well the the thing that i don't get and it's like it it really shows that the star wars universe is there's a lot of things now where a lot of movies try and hit you with fan service because the movies are just like you know what people aren't enjoying our content let's just give them exactly what they've been asking for and in many ways, Star Wars did that with The Rise of Skywalker. There was so much yeah. fan service in that movie. And yet people hated it. And you're just like, right, you don't like it when they make the movie that they're going to make. And then you hate it even more when they're giving you the thing that you've been asking them to give you. The thing is with fan service, though, is you've got to do it really subtly. You can't just blatantly outright say, this is a fan service. And like it's like obvious it's a fan service. You've got to kind of... Be they got they have to be subtle with it. But like, but, but like I'm not this is probably gonna come across quite uh offensive to some people, but like if you there are so many dumb people out there that if you give subtle fan service, they're not gonna know it's there. Like, like, and that is why like certain comedies, uh like for instance, with community, it's called an intelligent comedy because the references are there, but they're so subtle, not everyone sees them. It's the same with Rick and Morty. Those people that don't see those references and have to get told they're there are the same people complaining about a lack of fan service. And if it's subtly, they won't see it. We're uh, talking toxic fandom, didn't you mention Rick and Morty in a positive exactly. light? Oh my God, Rick. Oh, oh, that is the entire comedy of Rick and Morty. Uh, I, I, if people like it, fair enough. But like, I don't like the people who praise it as high art when it is art made by people who are high. It's a, it, they don't constitute the same thing. Like, if you like it, fair enough. But, like, you can't compare it to, like, actual quality animation, I don't think. And it's I, not to say that it's categorically bad, because I've watched one episode, I did not laugh once. But, like, it's one of those things that you sort of expected to like if you like adult cartoons. Because I, I rate Archer infinitely higher than Rick and Morty. Archer is funny. I do like Archer. I think with Rick and Morty... I think I, I personally really enjoy a lot of Rick and Morty. I think it's getting to a point now where even the good seasons have so much filler in them that it kind of sucks. But, and the animation of Rick and Morty isn't great. I will completely admit that. I think the yeah, art style that, is quite weak. Yeah, that's that stylistic choice. Like, you <coughs> could say that about anything with any kind of form of um, art interpretation or, or expression. It, but the issue is we're getting to a, a time now where with so many animations out there and there's so many good quality animations, why are people making the choice to make what looks like quite a poor style of animation well, then, when uh, actually it takes a year and a half to make one 10-episode season of Rick and Morty? They can, quite, they can actually put more effort in now. There's no, there's no excuse for them taking a year and a half to make a 10-episode, 20-minute 
well, each but series. Look, at, look, look, look at uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars, the animation style for that. It did not change throughout its entirety of its existence, even going into the Bad Batch series. But Rick the... and Morty has. Look at it in the first season. It's actually a very poorly designed animation that does not look like good quality. Oh, yeah, the first and season, it does though. get better through the seasons. Yeah, Family yeah. Guy, that changes quite considerably. Because I've got... because. Again, personally, I do like the Clone Wars. I like the Bad Batch series. I think they were brilliant. But sometimes the animation makes me feel a bit nauseous. I, I just, it's, I, I don't know if it's because it's just the style of animation. Yes, the, everything looks quite cool. But every time I watch it, I'm kind of like, oh, this is kind of hurting my eyes a little. Um, my problem, I, there's like two things I'd like to mention, right? So first thing, my candidate for most toxic fandom is Walking Dead. <laughs> but before I go that, um, there is a level of obligation in fandoms, I feel. Because if you are into fantasy, you are, especially if you're into D&D, you are pseudo-obligated to like Lord of the Rings. Now, I didn't see Lord of the Rings as a child. I saw them when I was about 15. Like the movies. And I enjoyed them as movies but they did not live up to the hype that everyone built up. And so, see, everyone pulls that same reaction that Stacey's doing. Everyone pulls I'm the same fine. reaction. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm <laughs> fine. I'm not saying they are bad movies. As, as actual movies as they are built, they are fantastic. The music is brilliant. The acting is fantastic. The, you know, the CGI being 20 years old still holds up really well. And I don't, as far as cinematic experiences go it borderline flawless return of the king's the best one um two towers i'm sorry <laughs> but i just don't enjoy them the same way that fans do and it's an obligation to like them because i'm into fantasy i'm I, for, before i started doing writing as a living i was a music promoter and because i was really into music and rock music especially I'm meant to like Pink Floyd. I'm meant to like Metallica. I'm meant to like Led Zeppelin. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with them. It's just kind of like, you know, I don't want to feel forced to enjoy something. Again, then again, it's that's pretty much always down to like what you've kind of grown up with. I grew up watching Lord of the Rings. I grew up watching Star Wars. So I've always got a personal attachment to them. That's I do. I, I love my fantasy. I, I, I absolutely adore fantasy. But like, it doesn't, but I wouldn't always say I'm, I feel obligated to like certain. I see. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you there, Stacey, because I've, I've I've known you long enough to know that you will say that, but actually you are wrong. And the reason why I'm <laughs> going to say that is because oh, no. when it comes to, and I'm going to put it in terms of gaming, when it comes to gaming, your favorite thing is open world RPG, specifically fantasy, which is why you did not care about cyberpunk because yes, it's open world. Yes, it's RPG, but it's not fantasy. It's sci-fi which is yeah, what put you off it so you yeah. can say that actually that was you're not like that but deep down self subconsciously you actually are you would quickly play a probably poorly made open world rpg fantasy game because it fits the three things that you enjoy because of things like skyrim <laughs> and oblivion then you would play cyberpunk which was set to be the biggest game of the year even though it failed on every single front <laughs> I, I will say, like, I, I love my strategy games and my Total War games. I have put so many hours into Warhammer Total War. It is unholy. Uh, so, yeah, on Walking Dead point that I made. So, before Robot Republic, I used to write for a different website. Now, I'm not going to say which website it is because I don't want everyone to go out and find what I'm actually called. 
However, I did for I did uh, several articles on Walking Dead there because they just gave them to me, and I did an article on the problems um, of the like the actors who hated being on the show, and there were the worst example is Josh McDermott who plays Eugene. Now, he got death threats from fans of the show because they hate his character. And it's like, that's the thing. Like, he's playing his character really well, but because your fucking monkey brain can't split reality and fiction, you're thinking that the actor deserves death threats for something he has no control over. Like, he got tweets saying that uh, people hated him more than Joffrey in Game of Thrones. And I don't know much about Game of Thrones, but I know that the guy who played Joffrey, didn't he quit acting for the same reason? Yes, he did. This is why I tactically chose a Game of Thrones and a uh, Walking Dead style question for What If, because I knew you were going to bring up Walking Dead. And it's the same reason for why Game of Thrones is up there for me. I wouldn't say it's... Potentially, in some ways, it's worse than Star Wars for me because... Yeah, the kid that played Joffrey received death threats for playing Joffrey. And in my opinion, does that not show that he did the role very, very well? And the guy who then played Ramsey Bolton also received death threats. But again, in my opinion, that shows that he... Yes, the characters are they're horrible. They're yeah. vile characters. They're vicious characters. But the actors did a subliminally good job. The, um, the worst... Ex- like Obviously, Josh McDermott deleted all his social media and he said any death threats he gets are going straight to the police and you're getting found out, which is good. And I feel really bad for him because he seems like such a nice dude. But um, the, what's worse in Walking Dead is that uh, if you remember Lizzie, who was one of the one of the girls who got taken in by uh, Carol during the prison. Yes. The, ac- the actress is called Brighton Charbino. The character's only meant to be like 11 or 12. The actress, I think, was about four- 13 or 14. She received death threats. People are sending death threats to a teenage girl for playing a character who morally wasn't a problem. She was just, you know, twisted in the head. She was she wasn't mentally there and that is just absolutely disgusting behavior and this is a funny one but it's still a toxic thing i got kicked off the walking dead subreddit in my original account for uh saying that maggie was the most pointless character in the show <laughs> i got i got banned from the walking dead subreddit for that i, I mean I'm, to be fair i i would have uh, probably upvoted that i got banned from a discord for dissing vtubers I have been banned from a D&D subreddit because I said when I create D&D characters, I spend a lot of time making characters that are kind of morally ambiguous. And I really like forcing good aligned characters into moral conundrums where I have to get them to test their morals. And apparently that makes me a horrible player. Because I actually, I'm not telling the good person to be bad. I'm not outright going around killing any character uh, players. I am just basically saying... You know, I'm like the the old Witcher thing of the lesser evil. I say, like, it's a very fine line when creating a D and D characters. If you do, you do, you because people create fucking just asshole characters <laughs> that will kill everyone and actually piss the group off, like the, the actual group of players. Yeah. Welcome well, to issue two of Into the Nerdverse, guys, where all three of us here today have been kicked off some level of Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's always it's always anime things for me. Um. Yeah. Um. Oh, I used to, I used to like tilting my friends by saying that Maroon from Hunter Hunter could beat Cell in a fight. 
from DVD. <laughs> I used to tilt my friends by saying that. <laughs> that was always funny. See, it's like you I, say, yeah. when you said that she was a teenager when she received death threats, the guy who played uh, Joffrey, um, was it uh, Jack Leeson, I think, he was like, yeah, he was in his early 20s when he was receiving them. And you just... And if you think if he's that if he's that good that you can really believe that he is the character in his early twenties, he could have had such an amazing career. Mm. But because because this thing, it's yes, there's I I I I I hope and I pray that there is enough intelligent people in this world to make that disconnect and go. It's only they're only an actor. It's only TV slash movie, uh, TV series show slash movie. But it is the actual volume of people in fandoms who take this so seriously that it literally becomes their lives. And it's when that happens, that's when it becomes toxic. Also, my number one toxic fandom is League of Legends. Ah, come on. It's tame now. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's tame, it's tame now T- TFT came out. It's, it's tame now compared to what it used to be. It's... It was just the, the amount of salt and the amount of... <sighs> like flaming going on in League of Legends when 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 I was looking into it I've never played it don't want to play it <laughs> but I've always looked into it because it's just something that I've gone I wonder what's going on here and it's every time it was just absolute toxicity like system of the down were fucking playing there um, toxic I've played League for nearly 11 years just maybe just over 11 years now and so i was there the, like really at the beginning i'm still there now uh yeah i'm an idiot i know but compared to what it was it is so damn tame now it See, is so thing. damn tame i played it for the first like four years it was out and then obviously i've played it a lot in the last couple of months uh, i'd say yeah the difference is phenomenal um but i wouldn't even say it's just league for toxicity i'd say it's the company as a whole it's um, it's riot's got its own brand is yeah it's, it's like, a shame because riot by all accounts especially like the devs who are like not the not the marketing management the actual devs are really really friendly people and they work their asses off but yeah, but it's, it's like, just spills look, over everything look at valorant like <laughs> oh my like when i used to play it with uh casper we deliberately changed to North American servers at seven o'clock because anything after seven o'clock on British servers were horrific. The people were awful. And like, we were just like, you know what? So much so we're going to move to an entirely different time zone worth of servers because over there, it's the nice people playing. Uh, I actually got a death threat in Valorant. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> honestly, I can laugh it all off, honestly. Like, it, it makes me laugh that people do that to me. I'll get annoyed when it happens to other people, but when people do that to me, I just think you would not do anything. Let's say if I saw you in public, I would kill you. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. You'd piss your pants. <laughs> yeah. You'd like, I, I could look at you funny and you would melt. That is that is the level of like, like uh, small dick energy you give off. That's what it is. I, I got a death threat in World of Warcraft because I was a paladin and I slotted in as a tank rather than a healer uh, because of the uh, the type of paladin I chose. And I got like messages from this one guy just constantly for ages and he was just 
Like, what the hell are you doing? You're an idiot. And it was just like, okay, dude, chill. I think it's a game, and this is my first raid with this character. This this just shows that, like, remember, like, when everyone used to say about hooliganism in football and how, like, it used to be the fans were the things they were ruining sport because of how like xenophobic and things they were and how like the chants they were coming out with and the fact they'd always start fights. Like you can't go to watch, for instance, uh, an Aston Villa versus Birmingham fight because the fans want to kill each other. But it just shows that that what we used to specifically say was a sporting issue has now blended into everything. Like, I actually think football hooliganism is a very good analogy for current toxicity in various fandoms and communities. It is, yeah, it like it's wild. Oh, no, you can. I was going to say it seems to be like when I was growing up, all you'd hear about was football hooligans, and they are still a problem, obviously. But like, it just seems to be so widespread now. And it's yeah, the internet. yeah, like I. Even in and it shows it, it started out from football. Like I used to go and watch uh, Gloucester rugby play quite a lot. And we'd stand in the shed area, which is basically your, your, your freestanding area. And there's a guy like Gloucester's biggest rival is a team called Bath. Oh, and this Bath. guy would, this guy would uh, turn up in a Bath shirt every week because he lived in Gloucester. He couldn't get to Bath. And we'd like give him some, like, we'd give him some stick. He'd give us some stick, but like everyone got on. Like you could have rival <clears> fans <throat> with you. Obviously, you can't do that in football. This is why I'm worried about Comic-Con because like, I genuinely feel like since it's been a year and a half out, there's so many fandoms now that have got so toxic because everything has been online for the last year and a half that we're going to all end up in a room together at Comic-Con and you're going to get people shouting crap at you, not because of how bad your cosplay is, but because of who you are cosplaying. Yeah, that would be a very interesting news headline though, wouldn't it? Uh, today, a riot broke out at uh, Birmingham MCM. Over 12 Batmans, three Harley Quinns, and one Red Hood has been arrested. I'm just looking forward to it. Uh, MCM have announced that they have stopped selling the metal dice because apparently they are used as weapons and projectiles in the current uh, riots going on at the Exo Center. If you're creative enough, you could probably turn those uh, metal dice into uh, knuckle dusters. They're 70 quid! Like... The MCM specific metal dice is 70 quid. They've got to be some, like, what? <laughs> knuckle dusters I, are cheaper. <laughs> knuckle exactly. dusters are cheaper, actually. You can get them like, very cheap on Wish. But, like, an- another fandom, and I'm not heavily into these fandoms because I've kind of only recently caught on to anime, but, like, I've been told by several people, one that I should message, uh, me- message mention, I'm an English teacher, God damn it. One that I should mention is My Hero Academia, Apparently, <sighs> they are just horrid. They're not amazing. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm a, I enjoy My Hero Academia. Like, I, I read the manga, I watch the anime, I've seen the movies in the cinema, and um, I have a group who I go with, and we are all like big fans of it, shall we say? But we don't go overboard with it or anything like that, we just like watching and think, oh, this is cool how so-and-so does this, or who, how this does that, or I'm not a fan of this, and we crack jokes. Um, but then I was, I joined the Translators Discord, actually, a manga translator, and I decided that it was wrong for me when I saw some women who confessed that they were in their 40s, but they were simping over a character 
in my hero academia like one of the high schoolers and they're not from not any of the main cast or anything like that but they appear once and it's just a fresh minded that these are high schoolers and like in japan they're like meant to be like 16 and it's really fucking weird and i decided that's this is not for me i'm i'm out i'm out e5000 one of my favorite arguments to ever see go down is dubs or subs oh my god it is honestly watching those arguments go down i personally find it hilarious because i can do either i prefer subs personally um I don't even, I'm dyslexic and I prefer reading subtitles. It's honestly the most <laughs> counterintuitive thing on the planet. But um, watching people argue over dubs and subs is, it, it's like you, one, each one is saying, I'm the pure form of anime fan. No, I'm the pure form of an anime fan. And it's just an s- absolute scrap for I, we're the pure ones. It, it doesn't really make a difference too much. It just depends on the quality of the voice cast a lot of the time, exactly, I think. Exactly, yeah. Like, there's only one anime I know where it makes it... Dis- well, two animes I know where it makes a distinct goddamn difference between dub and sub. Uh, one is Dragon Ball, because Goku's voice actor in the sub is the worst thing ever. And the other one is Ghost Stories, where it <laughs> it's a funny story about this anime, because it didn't do well in Japan, so when it got sent over to be dubbed for the West... Um, they didn't send a script over. They just said, these are the story beats. These are the things that have to stay. As long as you make the mouths match up, you can say whatever you want. And of course, the voice actors uh, went extremely dark, comedy, offensive, all that stuff. And it changed the meaning of the anime for people over here because you can watch compilations where there's things like, Oh, Mr. Oh, Mr. M- One of the lines that really famous. Oh, Mr. Mittens, I can't be with you. Not because you're a rabbit, but because you're a black rabbit. And that's the that's the joke. And it's like, holy shit! This is this is in a dub of an anime that's aimed at like thirteen year olds as well. I, I still love abridged versions of everything. I feel like yeah, I've been told because I couldn't get into Dragon Ball when I first watched it. I couldn't get into anime in general. Like I've always tried to get into anime until recently. I've I've not been able to. Recently, I've watched so much, and like Fairy Tale for me really stemmed my mild obsession with it at the moment. But like, I I've been told uh, by my mate Kai uh, to basically if I want to watch Dragon Ball, just watch the abridged versions because basically the same storyline just. <laughs> just better. It's, it's the only way I can watch Yu-Gi-Oh now is Yu-Gi-Oh abridged. Oh no, that's harsh. Yu-Gi-Oh is great. I love it. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh is fantastic, is great, but, but Yu-Gi-Oh abridged. abridged. Is, it's hilarious. Um, yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh abridged is great, but like I, I can, uh, if if you, if you've noticed my logo and everything, I definitely didn't take my uh, my inspiration and my name from a Yu-Gi-Oh character. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I can't say it at all. I actually found my Yu-Gi-Oh cards while sorting out my room. Uh, like last month and my drag my blue eyes white dragon is not in there and i am really hacked off about it uh, i i play Yu-Gi-Oh competitively i have a deck sat in front of me right now <laughs> weird flex bro it's not, um, it's, it's not a flex no, I've, I've, just, got, we've, we've, I've got my pokemon cards right behind me it's, it's so tough. i've just uh i've just googled a couple of websites that are giving me their top 10 uh, most toxic fandoms, just to see what we're currently working oh, let, on. Let, let's see what other right. people Let's see if let's, we agree. Let's see this. Right, so uh, this website is called Tuco. It's uh, apparently the best digital news platform. I've never heard of it, so it can't really be living up to the hype. Disagree, it's not Rob uh, Republic. Exactly, hey. exactly. 
So, uh, uh, number 10, we've got the Star Wars fandom. Yeah, the, I'd say that's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, at, it's, at nine, it's uh, we've got the BTS fandom. B- oh, wait. Oh, the, the K-pop band. Yes. They are oh, actually agree. They, they are, are horrific. Oh, my they God. I know, some, I know someone who's in that, and the obsession with it is literally like, please, you're, you're taking up my newsfeed with your bullshit. It says here, BTS fans are toxic because of how they treat people that are not affiliated with them or other K-pop groups. In fact, if they are affiliated with other K-pop groups that aren't BTS, they will also openly lash out at you. Yeah, but anyone who anyone who watches or no, sorry, listens to K-pop, if you say now nah, K-pop isn't my thing, they will grill you into next year. Uh, then we have uh, number eight, the Nintendrones. Uh, I mm. would say that they're like this is my thing. Everyone. Almost everyone I know has some form of Nintendo. This is why the Switch has kicked every console's ass. The Wii kicked everyone's console's ass. The DS kicked everyone apart from PlayStation because the PSP was kind of actually somehow rivaling it. But, like, Nintendo... I can't say, like... I don't know anyone that would just say they're solely a Nintendo fan because everyone has... And Nintendo as well as what they also have. And Nintendo's always a really good go-to right. when it comes to any kind of gaming console, I reckon. This says a lot for the fact that football fans is only at number seven. Can we make a point and say that Nintendo itself is a toxic fandom for itself? That's, a, that's true, to be fair. <laughs> uh, at, number, at number six, we have Metalheads. Uh, yes, I will yeah. wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah, I, no, gonna, I agree. I'm going to lump EDM in with that because... They'll argue about fucking subgenres, and it's like that—that's <laughs> uh, the problem. I had a Those problem. Death with, I metal, black s- metal, thrash metal. Shut up! I legit fell out with so many people because they just wouldn't accept something as real metal, and I'm like, you—you know, you're just a prick. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I once said um, Iron Maiden was metal. Uh, like they I, are like, metal. Maiden. Yeah, they are. And someone tried to downright argue with me that they are not metal. Why? Because they don't sound like the swallowed ninety cheese graters. Is that because they listen to things? Listen to people like Anthrax. Anthrax aren't metal. (laughs) They are obviously the thrash metal, but like one of the big four. But like it's yeah, it's number five, Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah, yeah. Number four. Did you say football fans were number seven? Yeah. (laughs) Oh wow, this is this is gonna get bad then. Number four, and I highly agree with this, and I don't know how it didn't come to my head. Zack Snyder fans. Oh. They managed to forcibly have the Snyder Cut released, and also just to have the Zack Snyder Cut released, Warner Brothers had to pay another like ten million pounds to get the rest of the film reshot because turns out like because obviously he left production so early on, um, but also like and as it says here, uh, Dawn of the uh, Dawn of the Dead, Watchmen were highly acclaimed movies. However, certain films like Sucker Punch, Man of Steel, and Batman vs Superman have been trashed by critics this hasn't gone down well with fans at all uh, and has been going online to express their discontent and many have started fights trying to prove that actually watchmen was not as bad as it was critically told to be this is the thing well, watchmen's great fan- it's a great okay. movie it's actually pretty good it's a great movie if but here's the thing if you're a fandom that's able to literally get a cut of a movie released because you scream and shout and cry loud enough you're pretty toxic. That's a dangerous precedent. Like <laughs> this, this like, one, I have no comment on. Number three, 
Taylor Swift fans. I agree they're horrible. No, I, I, I spent three years at uni with a Taylor Swift fan, and trust me, it was the bane of my existence. Uh, I've never encountered a mad fan of Taylor Swift. So. Oh, God, don't, please. It's just literally, like, I wanted to play with traffic <laughs> because of this person. Uh, people have received death threats on the fact that Taylor Swift doesn't get nominated for enough movies. Uh, enough awards, sorry. Oh, shit. Um, no, uh, we've got the Nicki Minaj fandom at number two. I didn't that's even realise. Didn't even realise they existed. Still, I thought that's they just that's, that's just imploded recently, hasn't it? Because she put up like a uh, like a pseudo anti-vax message on Twitter, and it just sort of imploded on I've itself. Got, I, yeah. I thought Nicki Minaj became irrelevant like four or five years ago. I've like it, it's she posted some horse shit on Twitter about like why not of like why um, I think it was her brother or something isn't getting the vaccine. And the point she made at the end is very poignant, right? Where she goes, don't be bullied into getting one way or the other, really consider it. That's a fair good point. But then, like, it's just fucking, impl- her fan base just imploded because people just started shit, like, throwing shit at her. And then she retweeted something from Fox News and everyone hated her. <sighs> I don't get it. Um, number one, and I didn't think of this, and this says a lot for this to be number one. <laughs> Um, I've managed to stay out of this fandom for many years for the fact that almost 99% of its entire episodes are fillers. Uh, and uh, before I wait, say wait, what wait, fandom wait, wait. it is... Can we guess? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to let you guess, but I'm going to finish my explanation of this one first, so it, it will help you. So 99% of this episode includes fillers. Uh, every time someone tries to name a new anime, they will always say, well, actually, it's just a rip-off of this anime. What is it? I'm going to guess Naruto. I was going to say Naruto or Bleach. It is Naruto. Naruto, yeah. It okay. is bad. It is, it is, uh, fandom, uh, the, fandom-wise, The fandom's awful. I, I, I've never watched, like, Naruto, but I know the story, and I really like the story of it, and I like a lot of it, and it's just Harry Potter with ninjas. But, um, Jesus Christ, I've met so many, uh, Naruto fans. It's, well, it's, the, it, it, it's the it's the case of like people watch Naruto and like a week later, like you're a fourteen year old kid. Naruto's come out. You're a total weeb, and you start Naruto running on the fucking PE field. Like the like, the way that, this site describes it. The way this site. The platform is so toxic that the hostile group has even earned itself the name Naterads. Uh, this means that they have not only irritated many people uh, to get a unique title. But they often refer to every other anime as a ripoff of Naruto. Uh, <laughs> and so the, the conversation we've got here is Black Clover, nah, it's a Naruto ripoff. Jujitsu Kazen, bro, it's totally Naruto. Izuko Midori, dude, that's just a green Naruto. Seen a ninja in any anime. Oh my god, it's a Naruto reference. <laughs> <laughs> it's just they not only trash characters from other animes as well as the show itself. <laughs> It's I don't get it. No, it's it, uh, uh, Boruto's dad is just a you know in joke. <laughs> but that, yeah. it's it's just it's just accurate. Like yeah, it's it's one of those ones I've never really got into. I've never really got into it, but like it's just. Yeah. Can, can we just appreciate that this list made Naruto fans worse than football fans? 
Uh, yeah. it also it also be League of Legends. League of Legends didn't even make the list. It, all of these be daughter, which is another one that was really bad. Oh, I, no, I don't want to. I don't want to go into Dota. I don't. I I heard about it once. Never wanted to look at it. Um, I don't know. There's there's plenty of talks like. I find it interesting how possibly the most hated character in fiction is Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. And in and the I can't remember who played her in the movies, but she got no death threats whatsoever. To be and fair, the, the Harry Potter fandom didn't even become toxic until like late last year. Yeah. And then it was just random things that made it toxic where people were just disagreeing on Things that didn't even matter. Um, and obviously the person at the head of the fandom is toxic as shit in J.K. Rowling. Um, but we just pretend she doesn't exist anymore. A racist, a misogynist, and a turf walking to a bar. And the Bamatas aren't you the one that wrote Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like... Uh, it, I don't it, even know. It's when a fandom hits a point of writing weird fan fiction. That's when you know it's gone bad. Uh, disagree. No, I said weird fan fiction because I've read some good fan fiction. It's when it gets weird. I wrote about uh, the Robot Republic. I wrote an article on how Dead by Daylight is a perfect fan fiction. (laughs) Actually, you know what? You're not wrong. I'm not. And it's just about how it does horror right. And like I mentioned, who I'd like to see join the thing. But um, like fanfic can do really well. Like, like Fifty Shades is a fanfic. Like it started as a Twilight fanfic. Uh, yeah, no, we're not, we're not going to talk about that because that was that that yeah. that that makes me that makes me throw up in my trousers. But then My Immortal exists, <laughs> which is the ultimate See, meme one. They've yeah. got they've got a list here of um, so this is a different website, but this has got a list of basically uh, honorable mentions. Okay, we've got the YouTube fan base. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. YouTube in general. Um, again, this has got football fans and me- uh, metal fans uh, yeah, okay. in the top ten. Um, nostalgia fans. Nostalgia fans. Yeah. Uh, people, who live, sure. people who live for the nostalgia. I, yeah, I basically, yeah. They like, exist uh, in two categories. The ones that resist change by attacking the development of a franchise and the ones that resi- uh, resist change by attacking the newer fans. Otherwise known as Star Wars fans. Actually, yes. That is very um, true. So gatekeepers, Gatekeep- yeah, pretty uh, much. Uh, uh, what's it like? Um, I don't think the Stranger Things fan base is that bad, actually. Honestly, Stranger Things has got a pretty decent fan base. Stranger Things got a pretty but that's chill because, fan base. But that's because the Stranger Things fan base admit the first two seasons are pretty good, and everything after that sucks. Oh, so, I like season three. <laughs> I, like, I like season three. I couldn't get into Stranger Things. Okay, so there's the thing with Stranger Things. Like, the story is, like, okay and mediocre at best. It's the characters and the character stories and the character development. That is what makes Stranger Things actually a really a fucking good show. What makes Stranger Things a good show is one thing and one thing only, and that is Steve Harrington, and I will accept nothing else. <laughs> Steve Harrington is the best thing about Stranger Things. I am quite happy I to actually, say that. Yeah. I'm quite happy to say that as much as Netflix have not cut it yet, it is one of the top uh, top priorities to be next on their cutting room floor uh, because of how many people didn't watch the last season because of how many people did. Like, it's the viewership of Stranger Things has dropped by like 70%. More people are, are going on Twitch right now than watching Stranger Things, and that says something. That's good for us. <laughs> 
it's not thing. because viewership on even on Twitch has dropped by like forty percent. Yeah, but we'll get more of Stranger Things fans. That's true. <laughs> Uh, yeah. League of- oh, I'm not. I can't. Well, I'm. I'm not going to watch Stranger Things. You know what? I'll go watch the Bandit King UK. Yeah, you should. I'm We've pretty got, good at time to time. Uh, Adventure Time fans. Uh, I don't I've, know. I've not met many of them who have been no horrible. They've just no. I've not bit- really come. Back, I, I actively try and avoid Adventure Time. If I'm honest, uh, yeah. the only thing I don't avoid is the this. Castle is in unacceptable <laughs> condition. Unacceptable. I, uh, I, I, I avoided Adventure Time because the there's no boundaries, and I don't think you, I don't think comedy works well when there's no boundaries. Honestly, no, I get you clearly. Yeah. Um, and funnily enough, the worst fan base according to this website is Rick anti vaxxers <laughs> They've actually classed it. It's on a list known as the top ten most toxic fan bases. <laughs> They're only it's toxic like, because I haven't had the vaccines, though. That's the thing. That's <laughs> <laughs> like the flat earthers in the list, though. No, oh. my God. That's not oh, really that a was... fandom. That's just sort of like a gathering of like anti Mensa. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anti Mensa. <laughs> Um, you know, then, like, is your IQ I'm... minus 60? <laughs> uh, right. So, after that, and after the amazing ending oh, to, God. <laughs> uh, to Toxic Fandoms, <laughs> we, are, we are now coming to our final part of the podcast, oh, which is where we do a thing that I have taken, totally not ripped off another company, and we will call this the Jewel of Fates. Um, I don't like ripping people off. I swear, like I don't do that. I don't do it in D and D either. I'm gonna be honest. Everyone, everyone's running out of original ideas. Like you got to take inspiration from somewhere these days. Yeah, and let's be honest. The Jewel of Fates is just incredible. Um, and I mean, our podcast is called Into the Nerdverse. <laughs> I am going to give you between uh, both of you a, a two characters uh, from different franchises, uh, different movies, and you've got to tell me. Which one do you think would win in this duel? And potentially why? All right. So, in this battle, we have Wolverine versus the Predator. Okay. Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Why do you think Wolverine? Regular humans can kill the Predator. Regular humans can't kill Wolverine. I mean, like, that's... Wolverine has healing factor. Predator has armor that we know isn't super resistant to Earth materials. And Wolverine's ma- like made of adamantium, so Wolverine wins. Here's the issue with the verses like that: is that the Predator's a hunter, but the Wolverine's a hunter as well. So, yes, the Predator has his invisibility bullshit, but Wolverine will be able to smell it. Both of which, actually, both of which I reckon are on an equal amount when it comes to natural strength. Then there's fighting style and skill. And the Predator's got the edge on that when it comes to Wolverine, especially if it's hunting Wolverine in, 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 in a particular environment. Um, not necessarily a home environment, but a forested area is where the Predator really shines. Uh, but purely because of Wolverine's healing factor and adamantium skeleton, the Predator would not be able to penetrate that, even with his um, shoulder blaster. That would that that would just sear off some skin in which it'll heal back. Like the predator would have to dismember Wolverine in order to keep it Wolverine in a state 
and that. even then and even then <laughs> like wolverine, wolverine survived comes back. A nuke. wolverine survived nukes like he survived being disintegrated down to an atomic level like, well, that's the yeah. thing. The only way that Wolverine has been killed is basically by being dropped into a vat of liquid adamantium, and then it got solidified. And even then, as soon as that adamantium on the outside of him melted, he survived because they managed to pull him out before the adamantium inside of him melted. Yeah. Like, yeah, Wolverine. Wolverine wins that one, uh, but he the predator would. There's, the predator would have to do so much to try and get the upper hand. Like literally, he would have to try and rip out a skull, but that skull's made of adamantium, and that's attached to an adamantium spine, and that's attached to an adamantium skeleton, and that's attached to a very angry man, a very angry man with claws, <laughs> very angry man that's fighting. Well, here's, well two. here's the thing as well. Like Wolverine has a power, like where he go basically goes into a rage, like a blind rage. Like that's one of his powers, and part of that blind rage is that he has an increased physical resistance. So, like, if the predator hit him enough, Wolverine's gonna go ape shit and tear tear the predator apart. Okay, random off-topic question that I just thought of, and I really want to know the answer. How many times would Deadpool die before he killed the predator? At least once. Yeah, at least once. <laughs> Minimum once. Because I feel, I in my head, I've got like, this could be an entire movie of just like Deadpool has to keep like, it's like the, the new Deathloop game where Deadpool would just keep dying until he eventually wins. They'll just bring Predator into Marvel. Like, I know Predator is technically DC, you know, but well, like, we'll bring Predator into Marvel because Deadpool kills the Marvel. No. Predator, Predator is, is being owned by, is owned by Disney. No, Predator Comics, the Predator Comics are published by DC though. But no, the they've movie published by Marvel as well. But the movie that's Ooh. coming out is being uh, is the new the new Predator movie that's coming out is being done by Disney. Oh, okay. Uh, no, wait, that's a dark um, horse. They've released Dis- at Disney Expo. They released a teaser for the new Predator movie, and it's basically a Predator head made out of skulls. Okay. Um, does this mean that the Xeno- the Alien Queen, like the Xenomorph Queen, is a Disney princess? Oh my god! Oh my lord! Because <laughs> like Fox sons alien. Did oh just while it's on, just while we're here. Did you hear about how James Cameron pitched the Alien sequel? No uh, what, aliens. Yeah. So how did how did he pitch it? Go on. He did it in about ninety seconds. Right. He got he called up uh, Fox and went, "I have a pitch for you for an Alien sequel." And they go, "Okay, come on in." And he just like he gets a whiteboard, writes Alien, and then adds an S with a dollar sign with a dollar stroke <laughs> through it. And then just went, and it's like, done. And Aliens was probably one of the best sequels ever made. Honestly. It is actually the best sequel made to the original <laughs> film. This like, is the thing that I Aliens love about... Aliens is banging. It, this is it what, slaps. This is what I love about James Cameron. He makes, like, the first two movies of pretty much every franchise he ever does, and they're always banging. And then they just get de- incredibly, like, just decreasingly worse. The Like, as he passes them on, because James Cameron knows when he's like, I've done what I want to do with this. Someone else can take the mantle. And then it just goes downhill. Like well, it, I, he, he didn't do the first one, though. It was Ridley Scott. But he had so much like input into that movie, whereas he didn't have any in the other ones. Also, what I find really funny is that James Cameron hates working with British people because, because Brit, Brits on the set of um, Alien, because it was filmed in the UK, 
it was like filmed in Pinewood Studios and he was just angry that British people kept on like taking time to go get a cup of tea <laughs> we need our tea breaks yeah, so this the, is... the, we have licensed tea breaks in Hollywood now, thanks to that as well. British I, people do. I do love like hearing stories about like directors just not getting on with their like just not enjoying like certain things of their actors. Like the reason why um the reason why Rick Mayo was like was cut from the Harry Potter film was because he just kept making the kids on set laugh. And apparently he became unbearable to work, uh, work with as a creative uh, director standpoint, because you couldn't get any serious scenes in because like he just randomly break out of character and all the kids would laugh. And by the time he was able to film a scene seriously himself, they were still laughing because they couldn't, the kids couldn't take him seriously. It's it's weird to think though, like how much stuff goes on on the set that you're only just find out about recently. Yeah, yeah. like it's it's actually crazy. Like I watched uh, the creating of Harry Potter um, recently, and it was the uh, Goblet of Fire when he was underwater, and the fact that like it took almost an entire day, and he actually had to like hold his breath for so long in this giant tank because they wanted it to look real. <laughs> I mean. Like, I, I've worked on a couple of movies, uh, well, one TV series set, no, two movie sets and one TV series set now. And the, honestly, it is, it is bloody weird. Like, you compare it to what you actually see, and they tell you what they're even going to do in post-production whilst you're there, because they're like, right, we need you to do this because this is going to be happening in, during, in post, uh, or we're going to be shooting this later, so this is going to happen. And it's just, it, it is weird. Like, it's an amazing experience. You have a lot of fun. But, like, yeah, it's the, it's possibly one of the strangest things working on a set if, you've, if you're, like, a massive moviegoer and a massive movie or TV fan, especially if it's a movie or se- series that you thoroughly enjoy yourself. Yeah, it's really, I was like, um, it's just a TikTok thing here. I saw this on TikTok first, and it was that scene from Miracle Workers that's going viral, where oh, yeah, like, yeah. it's that Daniel Radcliffe doing she'll be coming around the mountain. Yes. <laughs> and the top comment is, this is what Harry does to turn Ginny on. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my god. Also, he's got a fucking amazing singing voice, right? Daniel Radcliffe sounds awesome. Yeah, he really does. my Pepsi there, Jesus. <laughs> I <laughs> I think the most viral video that I like at the moment is the Ryan Reynolds breaking down Mika when Will Ferrell gets involved at the end. Oh my god, I love that. Every time I feel sad, I play that now to make me happy. Um, because they're doing a musical together. Apparently, like it's it it's predicted to be pretty good. Uh, because I don't think it's actually based off a stage show. Thank God. I'm surprised uh, you haven't jumped on that trend yet, by the way, Blala. What? Uh the because people have started doing that as well. Yeah, but I haven't Mika. got I haven't got the recording software. Nah, like what you got what you gotta think is to do it off that, I would need to actually record it with a, a mic. My mic sucks. I'm getting a new one potentially next week. All right. um, but I, I was gonna propose I proposed the idea to Holly for a for a Robot Republic musical. I where, could potentially write that. I have wrote musicals. <laughs> I have wrote music. Should we team up? You can be the um you be the music guy, I'll do the scripting. Let's do it. We're going to write a Robot Republic musical. That's... We're, we're, going to, we're going to create our own musical with blackjack and hookers. 
I might actually need to talk to you about that, but I'll tell you about my little project after we end this. Okay. Um, but guys, that has been this episode of Into the Nerd. Sorry, issue. Issue. issue the yeah, Nerdverse. issue. Because we're going like with issues. issues. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I would like to thank Bandit King for joining us. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we. It's... I already know what I'm inviting you back. Uh, you're inviting me back. Yeah, for because we want. The Halloween special. We need to. We need to have you. Oh, damn right you do. You have to have me. Oh, can we bring Holly as well? Yeah. Should we? You know, should we have both? Yeah. Let's so, almost make it like a crossover podcast. Because uh, we've got a lot of stuff to do for Halloween, being as how we are the horror podcast. We yeah. have a lot of stuff for Halloween. We can bring both of you on. So I'm thinking before Comic Con, I'm bringing both MZ and Bex on. Um, because I was like, I want to do like a cosplay style uh, Comic Con, like special one um but yeah i think bringing both of you two on would be insane that would be absolutely amazing it'll be chaotic especially because like you know the halloween the ha- halloween's going to be mental anyway yeah, with you... like a spooky bears with knives as well oh so, exactly that, i can't wait with that podcast you're just shoving four people with adhd in the same call like it's gonna be <laughs> bedroom <laughs> But guys, so this will be coming, this comes out, I'm assuming it'll be Thursday morning, meaning that on Sunday, if you're watching this when it comes out, on Sunday evening, uh, we will be having Bears with Knives. Are we calling it Bears with Knives Part 1? Like, or are we going to be Part 2? Episode 1. Episode 1. This is the first official episode of Bears with Knives. And on that, uh, wait, go for some self-promo, Bandit. So after after some uh, minor chaos in the one-shot where I invited Bord Barlow, and a few of my other friends. And then Sammy Dodger Minds also uh, turned up by somehow. That was quite an interesting development. Thanks, I, Barlow. I, told, I told her on Twitch, I'm in a one shot. She went, Can I join? I went, Yeah, sure. I'll message him. <laughs> I had a panic attack. <laughs> um, and there was a running joke and throughout because uh, Sammy goes in her cog voice that I can't do. Are you mean? I'm, I'm not an expert, but I don't think bears carry knives. And then that just started a thing, and now we now there's a D&D show starting called Bears With Knives. Last Sunday of every month. It's going to be really fun. I'm really looking forward to that, especially as yeah. the artwork is fantastic. Um, it, look, it looks brilliant. Shout out to my uh, new friend who goes by tra- uh, Tragic Picture, but that's, I don't know if they've got an artist name yet, so I'm not too sure. Well, we have when there is one, tell us, and we will we will say it out loud. Uh, I've invited them. I've I've put tried to put her in touch with Callie because he really likes the artwork as well. Is yeah. To be fair, the artwork's fantastic. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you all for joining. Uh, remember, there are three other amazing podcasts over on Robot Republic. We have Recharge Wrestling, The Gaming Manifesto, and Bandit and Holly's very own The Treehouse, which is incredible. Next it week we will be ass. it's very good. Next week we will be back with the famous Sammy Dodger Minds of TikTok, who has been on so far almost everyone else's podcast. <laughs> and yeah, we apparently the, we, she's supposed to be we, my friend, but we were the first. We were the first. Strictly, damn, spe- I... stri- strictly speaking, in terms of uh, celebrity, we have the uh Treehouse has had the most celebrities on. It's all right. I'm bringing. I'm going to bring in a few, a uh, few special guests in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I've got, I've got ideas. It's just trying to work out. I'm, I'm bringing chance. I'm going to try and bring chance in for uh, closer to the Spider-Man movie because he became like 
Peter Parker, Isle of Wight was his like online persona originally. Um, I've got I've got a few few ideas up my sleeve. I've yet to meet Chance. Chance is a legend. Like to be fair, everyone in that group they're all amazing people. But guys, massive thank you to Bandit for joining us. Thank you, Bandit. Thanks go and me. check him out over on Twitch at the Bandit King UK. Also, go and check out his uh, the Treehouse podcast on Robot Republic Network, as well as all the other great podcasts. I have been Bored Barlow. I've been Stacey Jacks. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.